church, this body of Christ, you as a people. Um, I was here Sunday morning and uh, not here because I felt pressure because Pastor Rhonda was going to announce that I might be speaking Wednesday, but rather here to celebrate the greatness I'm going to try to do this without getting emotional, but the greatness that is Pastor Hank and Pastor Rhonda, and that is the Church of the Harvest. It is, words can't even express what a special place this is. And I stood over there, and I sat over there, and I listened to water dripping, and I looked at people, and I looked at the leaders of this church. I've been with them long enough. I can recognize quality people. You know, I, I just, and I have run into a couple of truly quality individuals that deserve so much more and are going to receive so much more. There is coming a time, and it's not too far in the distant future, and I'm claiming it and praying it, where these two individuals and the people that they bring with them will enter into a place that, that's impressive, that they don't have to worry about. Oh, thank God they can throw the rain buckets away. No more vacuuming, and all the men of the church said, Amen. <laughs> I just appreciate y'all, I really do. And um, so appreciate the consistency that Pastor Rhonda has shown, the Hope House, the commitment that she has shown. You know, um, I want to stay on the theme of Celebrate Recovery and I want to talk with you this evening about um, relapse. Maybe we'll get a better understanding through the Word of God, through anything that I might have to say, uh, a understanding of relapse. But let's just pray together, all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we are so thankful for this wonderful group of people. All of us struggle with different areas of our lives, and we are waiting. Waiting, Lord, for that moment of strength, of deliverance, of however we see it, however we word it. For most of us, Lord, it's going to be when we breathe our last breath, but that's all right, too, because on that journey, Father, you strengthen and you help us. God, get the glory. Father, I would rather you have an opportunity to reconnect with people and me come out of this looking like a blooming idiot than for me to come out of this smelling like roses and looking wonderful. But I would really appreciate it, Father, if I didn't look like an idiot. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, relapse, just the very term scares some people to death. Just the mention of it scares some people to death. And well, I guess that it should. Um, there, to me, in my studies, and I've been doing this for 19 years now, I guess, the Women of Hope. And for me, um, my understanding of relapse, it comes in three phases. It's lapse, it's relapse, and it's collapse. Now, if you, and it doesn't matter what you're recovering from, and I'm not here to just teach or speak to the Women of Hope, thank God, you know, not that I don't, I, I, I enjoy that and I appreciate it, but um, I'm here in a church. 
I do feel the responsibility to present this in a way that people who recognize themselves as being in recovery can relate to it. But at the same time, I can be spiritual. I can use scripture. You know, I can be loose and flow and, and do what I've always wanted to do. Um, I don't feel any restraints. So I thank God for that. But lapse, relapse, and collapse. But before we get to that, I would like to read you some scriptures. And hopefully it will give you some insight as to the importance of not going back. Not going back is, going back is no fun. It can be devastating. It, in some cases, it can be horrifying. I have had the great opportunity of ministering to and sitting with and being a part of individuals' lives that um, I felt sure that everything was rosy, wonderful, that they were going to make it. And yet, there came a day when I stood over their casket. I've participated in probably more than a handful of funerals of women that have been at the Women of Hope because they made a choice to go back. And again, whatever you're struggling with, whatever's going on, you say, oh, well, that's life-threatening, these this drugs and this alcohol. Yeah, it, it can be. But, you know, a relapse for any of us with whatever we're dealing with is so emotionally up, upheaval. You know, it just, it just pulls everything apart. And we see ourselves in such a light that um, certainly isn't godly. But there is a danger. So let's look at some scriptures. If you, I'll tell you the scripture, and if you want to just uh, write it down and look at it later for yourself, I'm going to try and go through this as quickly as I can. I don't know what time y'all normally get out. Um, so in Luke 9.62, <clears throat> Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Uh, Galatians 4 and 9. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Do you know what God, our Heavenly Father, had to do to detangle, to get us untangled from all of that, and yet you and I take an approach by our daily living, by our daily existence, by our, approach to, by our approach to each day of our life as though we got this, as though we can stay ankle deep and everything's going to work out and be just fine. I spend my life warning people of their walk with God. I spend my life exhausting myself and exhausting the Word of God and exhausting everything that I can come up with, warning people, you're going to get entrapped again. You're going to get entangled again. And it's either by way of the little foxes that none of us seem to really want to acknowledge or really want to, um, yeah, acknowledge, we just ignore them. We pretend like they're not there, and yet they are. Anyway, don't get me preaching, praise God. I'm here for a particular um, reason. Um, but Hebrews, did I give you the, I did give you the scripture, Galatians 4 and 9. Hebrews 10, 38 says, But my righteous one will live by faith, but if he shrinks back, hmm, I will not be pleased with him. Revelations 2 and 4 says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. These things have to do with things like enthusiasm. I keep telling and com compelling people, you've got to fall in love with this. 
You got to fall in love with serving God. You got to fall in love with being clean and sober, if that's the term that you can grab hold of and recognize the best. You got to fall in love with it. I know you have miserable days. I know there's no fun in not doctoring or, or painting up or doing whatever we do as individuals to try and make that day rosier than it really is. I understand that perfectly. But you can't lose your joy. David said, restore. You know, when I, was, uh, when I knew I was going to speak this evening, I was putting together a message about restoration. I just wanted to have a sermon, and I wanted to preach a sermon, and I wanted to talk to the church about God's ability to restore and to uh, go through the process of restoration in each and every one of our lives. And the more I read, the more it kept bringing me back to this. The more I read, the more it kept bringing me back to this. And last night, I just surrendered and said, okay, God. And, you know, I... Um, I had three or four Bibles out, and we don't have a big space in our house, but uh, I had three or four Bibles out, and Connie comes in, and she says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm getting ready. And she said, getting ready? She said, you've been doing this for 19 years. She said, you could bore them people to death with recovery. You're getting ready for What? And I said, well, I want to take a different approach. She said, a different approach? This is recovery. This is everything you know, everything. You, what are you doing? And in spite of that, I still studied, and I wanted some scripture because I want you to know that God is the, he is the beginning and the end. He is the author. And when he says something in his word, folks, you can take it to the bank. Now, when I say something to you, you might think, okay, that's just him talking, or Pastor Hank, or Pastor Rhonda, or someone else, but when God speaks it and says it to us, we can take it to the bank. We don't need to go back there. We need to purpose everything within us to keep from going back there, and one of those things is simply not losing the joy of being free, the joy of being, again, clean and sober, the joy of being whatever it is that you're struggling with, one more opportunity to do it, one more day to succeed, the joy of that. So, in um, Exodus 32 and 1, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain... They gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will, go before, who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. As soon as, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. As soon as people, and I, I have to refer back to the Hope House for a moment, but as soon as, the ladies leave the Hope House, it's as though it's over, it's done, it's finished. Any leadership, anybody that they have in their lives, anybody that they might depend on, any, you know, they'll get rid of their sponsors, they'll get rid of the, the people that are in their lives, they'll stop going to church, they'll stop being involved, and then they scratch their head and they wonder why they're in such a mess, why relapses come, why this has happened. I read a story, before I tell you this story, let me say that patience is something that we're not blessed with as human beings. At least for the last couple of decades, everything that we read, everything that we experience, everything is quick fix, quick fix, quick fix. Do you know that's why people take dope? That's why people drink? Do you know that's why people take food? Do you know that's why people get angry? Do you know that's why people abuse other people? Make it quick. Make it quick. Well, we see what happened to the children of Israel. They became impatient, tired of waiting, 
The story that I read was concerning Michelangelo, the great sculptor. And it was concerning his rendition of David. This marvelous, wonderful rendition of David. Somebody came to him and said, how in the world, Michael? I'm going to call him Michael. <laughs> how in the world, Michael, were you able to do this? It is so outstanding, so beautiful, so wonderful. It's so lifelike. Being a little bit embarrassed, the story goes on. Michelangelo said, well, it wasn't hard. He said, I saw this great stone in the quarry. And he said, I saw in that stone David. And he said, I had the stone brought to my studio. And he said, months after months after months, I took tools and I chiseled away everything that wasn't David. And that's what God's doing to you and me. We want it faster. We want it quicker. We want it easier. But God's chiseling away everything that's not you. You were meant to be, and I truly mean this, you and I were meant to be something glorious, wonderful, and special. Not only were you meant to be, but you are meant to be. It hasn't passed us. There's time. You say, oh, it's too late. It's this. It's no. It's, there's time. It's not gone anywhere. God's not gone anywhere. It's not been taken from you. This opportunity to be exactly who God wants you to be. It's just that you and I have to be patient. We sit with people. You may sit with individuals, and you chisel away at them, and you chisel away at them, and, and they get impatient, and they want to leave. They want to run. These things, you know, <laughs> one of the more difficult things that uh, I've been called to do in, in ministry is for a, at least a few people to be their accountability partner. They don't like it. Just last week, somebody didn't like a statement that I made. She rears up, stands up, says, no, you're not. You're not going there. Walks out the door, packs her things, and she leaves. I didn't think it was that big a deal myself. I just made a simple little comment. You know, I didn't, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Somebody came in and said, she's leaving. I thought, you kidding me? Leaving? I've said a whole lot worse than that to a bunch of people. You've got to be kidding me. I was just doing a little bit of chiseling. We weren't taking big hunks off for Pete's sake. And here she goes. Oh, folks, God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves is very, very uncomfortable. I think that uh, last week or whenever it was that Pastor uh, Rhonda spoke, you recognize associations, dealing with people of your past, that sort of thing. Well, hear what the Word of God has to say. 1 Kings 11.4, as Solomon grew old, his wives, family members, people he were closest to, right? His wives, <clears throat> excuse me, turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David's was. Evil associations. These are things that might come into our life and might come into play that causes you and I to make decisions about relapsing. I'm building up to a point here. Just be patient for a second. Um, do I want to read that? Sure. Um, second uh, Corinthians 25 and 2 says, He did 
what was right in the... No, that's Chronicles 25.2. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. I'll keep moving. <laughs> Talking about shallowness. Anybody ever felt like that you were just a little shallow in things, that you maybe needed to be more committed you needed to really sell out to some things. Anybody ever been there? I have. Okay. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Anybody familiar with Scripture that talks about in this world you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have testings. In this world, the tests are only there to chisel away, to prove, to make us more bulletproof, so to speak. That's, that's the reason they come. I know they're uncomfortable. Shallowness. Uh, how about uh, emptiness of life? When an evil spirit comes out of a man... It goes through arid places seeking rest. This is Luke eleven twenty four. sorry. Seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes out and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there, and live it up, and have a party. And the final condition of that man or woman is worse than the first. I am a living testimony to that. I have seen it firsthand. The final condition of going back out of a house that has been swept clean was laying before me in a coffin. That's just, I know it's a little somber right now, but it's okay. Because we're talking about a real somber subject. A real serious subject. A very dangerous subject. Relapse. I talked with you a moment ago and described to you that for me it has three phases. Lapse, relapse, and collapse. Some of the Hope House ladies, most of them, should be very familiar with this. If you're not, um, if you've got some questions, please write them down. Try to remember them. We'll talk about them in just a few moments. Um, but there are three, three stages that a person goes through. The very first one being lapse. should be self-explanatory. We've just read scripture about individuals how they lived their lives, how they went about their daily existence, how they, you know, they were existing and uh, dwelling in families and dwelling among people, and yet they saw in themselves these, uh, these dysfunctional things, left them unaddressed, spent more time looking good. Amen? Am I talking to anybody? Looking good, you know? Nothing infuriates me, and I, that's a strong word, but that's really how I feel. Nothing infuriates me more than being at the Hope House, and they're always dyeing their hair. They're always putting makeup on or doing this or doing that and spending so much time worrying about the outward appearance, um, being consumed with the outward appearance. And it brings nothing but heartache, destruction, and pain, especially to those individuals that struggle with addictions. Brings nothing but heartache and pain. It'll bring, not only will you find yourself that you're addicted to uh, a drug, your drug of choice, whatever, you'll find yourself that you're, uh, you've developed an eating disorder, or this has happened, or that has happened, due to the fact that you're just trying to present yourself as this wonderful human being. We all crave pats on the back and, you know, 
at a girl or that a boy. We all crave these things. I do. After this is done this evening, it, you know, it'll, it'll make me feel good if somebody comes up and pats me on the back and says, that a boy. You know, Connie said to me, um, and she's with a couple of grandkids with something, but Connie said to me, knock them dead. And I thought, oh, God, I wish I could a few of them anyway. <laughs> Praise God. My pastor told me, Pastor Cates told me he had an individual in his church that constantly would come down and repent, and then he would go home and beat his wife. Repent and go home and abuse his family. Repent and go home. He said, I finally got to the place that I was standing over and praying for him one day, and he thought, I just want to kill him. Now that he's repented, you know, maybe he's right with God, and I just want to take him out because I've grown weary of his backslidings. Everybody has wonderful intentions of living life in a, a wonderful and glorious way. But good intentions pave the road to hell, unfortunately. Good intentions. Everybody intends to um, treat everybody else the way that they want to be treated and all of these things. Good intentions simply get us nowhere. But, um, and I forget what I was talking about. Anyway, let's talk about relapse, lapse, relapse, and collapse. Lapse is the part of us that simply doesn't take serious what it is that we hear. It's been talked about in these scriptures. We hear the word of God. We go to the mirror. For some people, I am their mirror. For other people, you are their mirror. You show them what they truly need to see. I've been called to do this, and sometimes it makes me very uncomfortable, but I, I bear the responsibility of showing other people what it is they need to see. And guess what? I'm not all that in a bag of chips. I have people in my life that show me what it is that I need to see about myself. And when they hold that mirror up, it is up to me to look in it, to see truly what it is, and then to go away not forgetting what manner of man that I saw in that mirror and make the necessary changes. Let me make the statement here. I don't hesitate to make it. Relapse is a choice. It's simply, you don't, you're not overcome by something. Some people wind up in perfect storms where uh, they almost simply... Looking at it, you would think they have no choice, but I guarantee you relapse is a choice. And if a person, if their roots are rooted and grounded in a place, no matter what storm comes, no matter where they catch themselves or what's going on, if they are addressing things the way that their Heavenly Father wants them to address them, then it's going to be okay. They're going to come out of that, maybe a little beat up and bruised, but they're going to come out of that not counting themselves as someone who fell back or anything else. They're coming out of that in a way that is absolutely wonderful. But we have to recognize the fact that it is your responsibility, it is my responsibility to remember what manner of person I saw in that mirror. Folks, let's not play the game like it was something else or maybe it was, it, it was how she was holding the mirror. <laughs> yep, that's it. It was that angle. Yep, yeah, that's it. That's what made me look that way. Yeah, had nothing that, I'm really not that way. She just didn't hold, it's that trick mirror. I saw one of them at a circus or a carnival or a fair, whatever you want to call it, once. And you look in it and, 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 and you take pictures of yourself, there are some tools in the world that are very useful. And I thank God for, you know, for, the, um, for phones in that they can be very useful. You can take a picture of yourself and doctor it up and make you look like something weird and strange. Right? I mean, some of you do it. I, 
I've seen it before. Well, guess what? The mirror is true. This is the mirror, the Word of God. God, through His Holy Spirit, God, through other people, yes, other people, are the mirror. And it's up to you and I to remember what manner of man we are. Lapse, forgetting, putting off, not acknowledging, not taking serious. Or maybe you've taken it serious and, and you're real committed to it as far as staying clean and sober, but you're not real committed to your relationship with God, your Heavenly Father. You're not real committed to growing spiritually. Most of the women, by the time they get to the women of hope, they've been so beat up and beat down that they've come to the, especially if they're doing their second run, go through. But they've, uh, they come in and say, it's the spiritual part. That's what I need. It's the spiritual part. Well, if that's the case, why aren't you working on it? If that's the case, why am I not working on it? There's so many ways for you and I to work on our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So many, from daily devotions to just daily meditations to just taking time out. And you don't have to sit cross-legged, thank God, with, you know, your fingers up. Hmm. It's taking a moment. Oh, folks, driving over here this evening, the sun was setting, and it was so pretty. It was so nice. It was so clear. And I just had a little spiritual moment right there in my truck driving down the road, a little moment of meditation, of recognizing the greatness of my Heavenly Father. I know people right now that would give anything to feel what it was that I was feeling. Anything. They'd give up anything. Lapse. Not doing the things that you know that you should do. It's very frustrating for us mirror holders. It's very frustrating for us who are mirrors to, uh, to individuals. Very frustrating. I can't even imagine at times um, what Pastor Hank and Pastor Rhonda go through. Pastor Hank, um, coming from the background that he came from, it's not as difficult to show unconditional love. Pastor Rhonda, probably not so much. It's been learned. And boy, has she learned it. Amen? Boy, have both of them learned it. They do a great and wonderful job of trying to be patient. Do you know that the Word of God commands us to be gentle when restoring an individual back to who has slipped or who has fallen? Restore one in gentleness, in kindness, and in love. And we think we use that term restore, I'm sorry, we use that term Gentleness as though we're supposed to rub them on the head, rub them on the back. Oh, bless your heart, dear. They shouldn't have done that to you. That shouldn't have happened. You shouldn't have lost your job. I know you hadn't shown up for three and a half weeks, but for God's sake, for that awful man to fire you for that. Gentleness has much more to do with our approach, with our spirit, with how we approach somebody. I am not, um, anyway, lapse, lapse, not taking it serious. And when that happens, then we go into another phase of relapse called relapse, where we actually go back to the beggarly elements of this world. There was a scripture that I read that talked about um, 
the principles, yes, here it is, how it is that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles that you came out from. Principles such as what? Well, principles such as lying, deceiving, using other people, taking advantage of situations, being half-truthful. I got I to gotta throw that one in because when you say lying, well, I didn't lie, I just didn't tell everything. <laughs> yeah. Going back to old way of thinking, I don't know if you hear the term around here very often, but stinking thinking. You hear the term committee in your head. You hear the term, my head is not my friend. Well, guess what? Mine isn't. And I'm believing that yours isn't either. But I do have some people planted in my life. I do have the Holy Spirit in my life. Folks, you and I know good and well right and left. We know good and well right and wrong. We know good and well the choices to make. But based on the life that we've been living... You know, <laughs> never ceases to, to amaze me about uh, the approach, the ideas that people have, even about spiritual walks, about God. Never ceases to amaze me how that somebody who's wanting to get in recovery or even is in recovery uses God for nothing more than their next high. Give me a chance to fall out. Some of the ladies fell out last night. Give me a chance to fall out, get my carpet time. Give me a chance to speak in a, uh, another language for a few minutes. Then I'm going to get up and get out of here and be just exactly the same way that I was before I ever even come here. And we're expecting change. Using God for our next high, our next feel good. Feel better about it. Look at it differently. Lord, help us, Jesus. Lapse. Relapse is when you and I decide there is no alternative but to turn back, to go back. And we go back to old behaviors. We go back to old beliefs. Rather than hearing the word of God in the scriptures that were read to us, we ignore them. We're going to walk out of this building, some of us, and think, well, thank God Sister Lulu needed that one. Man, I wish that he would have got right in her face. Well, they're there. And in spite of all of these things, in spite of the people in our lives that hold the mirror up to our face, and allow us the opportunity to see who we really are, we simply go back to old beliefs, old behaviors, old decision-making. All of these things we turn back. That in itself is devastating enough. I am so thankful and so proud of individuals, even though they might relapse, that they immediately want to come out of it, immediately want to take ownership of it, immediately want to get healthier, immediately want to tell somebody, another human being, confess their sins one to another, just tell somebody, let me tell somebody. I don't want to be sick, and I know I'm as sick as my secrets. I don't want, I don't want to carry this around. I don't want to hide anymore. I have ladies come into the office and when we have finally gotten to the place that they are willing to take ownership of something, and sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's much harder, but when they've gotten to that place, one of the things that I always hear out of them is, oh, pastor, it feels so good to have that off of me. <laughs> and it does. To be able to confess to another human being, this is what I've been struggling with. 
This is what's been going on with me. This is what I've done. This is the decision that I've made, and I know it's not unhealthy. Relapse, unfortunately, carries with it great humiliation, shame, condemnation, guilt. Thank you, Pastor. That can overwhelm us, that can come in like a storm, that can come in like a tsunami and just sweep us away. When in reality, everything that God's saying to us, everything that I believe in, everything that I try to teach is absolutely the opposite. I am so, so encouraged, so grateful, so thankful for individuals who will come in and say, this is me. This is what's been going on. I stepped back. I went back, but here I am. So it starts at lapse, not paying attention to all the little things, forsaking and getting too busy to do daily devotions, getting all of the things that we've talked about. And now we're contemplating relapse, and we've picked up and we've used, and now in comes the guilt, the shame, the torment, uh, condemnation, all of these things. And rather than share with another human being what's really going on with us, guess what we do? We collapse. We continue in that behavior, and we collapse. And it's like a storm that comes in against the house that was built on the sand, and it falls in destruction. And the Bible says everybody that passes by looks and says, Oh, how devastating. Oh, what a loss. What a terrible loss. At any of those funerals that I choose to remember, I can hear words from individuals, family members, different ones saying, oh, how terrible. What a wonderful human being. Oh, I, and they'll come to me. I remember vividly an individual coming to me and saying, Pastor, the happiest time of my life was when she was working with you, when she was in the Hope House, and when I, I could come and visit her and know that she was on stable ground and she was in her right mind and she was doing this, that, and the other thing, and oh, what a terrible loss. Be certain, you and I, where we build our house. Be certain of our foundation and where it's been put and what we're living on and what we're believing in, I cannot compel you enough. I guess there's probably 12 or 15 ladies at the, um, at the Hope House right now. And when I get most of them in a room for class or whatever it is, I look around. Sometimes I'll mention it to them, but I look around and think to myself, if you buy into statistics... Out of these ladies that are here, well less than half of them are going to take this serious. Well less than half of them are going to take ownership of the three phases of going back. Lapse, they're just, maybe they're there because they've been, um, what is it, when mandated by a uh, judge, a court, whatever. Maybe they're there because they've been mandated by their family. Maybe they're there because they've been mandated by their kids. Or maybe they've simply decided, I want to do this. I want to make a change. Either way, anyhow you cook it, it comes out the same, that if you and I ignore the little things, the one thing, the one responsibility that we have as people who are in recovery and that's all of us, is that we put together a daily plan and we live by it. We live by it. I would imagine that if you were to ask Pastor Hank or Pastor Rhonda uh, how they go about being who they are and doing what they do and all of those things, they have a routine that they follow. 
for the most. Oh, it deviates a little bit every once in a while here and there like every human being. But for the most part, the principle of prayer, of daily devotions, of meditating on the Word of God, whether that is reading it or whether that is by way of remembrance, whatever it is, they make that a daily practice. And guess what? When you do that, you get this. There is a phrase that says, if you want what I have, you do what I do. So when those of us who come across people who are just outstanding, and I don't mean um, popularity-wise or anything. I'm talking about just outstanding individuals. You can bet everything that you have that they have a daily routine. Thank you. Routine that they follow, and they follow it religiously. Religiously. And that applies especially with young Christians. That applies especially with people who have shown the, um, what's the word I want to use? who have shown that they are vulnerable to struggles and to going back. Is that a good way of saying it? Can you grab hold of that and recognize it? That Folks, ain't none of us got this. Ain't none of us got this. There is the next storm waiting to happen all over you. But I want you to know that no matter what it is, no matter what's going on, no matter who says what, that you can make it through it. Pastor Rhonda and Pastor Hank have gone through some storms that, wow. You talk about quality individuals. You talk about people whose roots are deep. Almost sounds like I'm doing their funeral. <laughs> whose roots are deep, to go through that, to have people that you felt loved and close to falling away, all of these things happening, a shaking like is crazy. But people of integrity, people who have a set of principles that they live by every day, can withstand even those kinds of onslaughts, can withstand even those kinds of storms and come out of it a better person on the other side than they were going in. Is that not God? Give God a hand just for a second. Amen. That's God. I so appreciate God in my life. I so appreciate God in my daily life. You know, I, my life, especially my childhood, wasn't very easy. But man, has he taken all of that and worked on and chiseled away and made me something that, I don't know about how you feel about me, but something that my wife and my kids and my grandkids can look up to and have a fairly decent opinion of. That means the world to me. Because every, I'm one of six children, and every one of the other six, they don't know where their kids are. Or they don't have a very high opinion of them. Or they're, you know, there's just all kind of craziness feelings, all kind of things going on, but, but for me. And it has to do with a little old lady rubbing my head, saying, little David, little David, God's going to use you. And if I had known then 
what I know now, there are days that I would have said, Grandma, Grandma, I would prefer he not. <laughs> or if he does, can we, do I have a choice? <laughs> but it's okay. If you aren't in recovery from some of the life-altering things that are offered to everybody on a daily basis, you probably know someone who is. Maybe even a family member. And if you do, and if you know that they are struggling mightily to try and get to a healthier place, it would do you and I well to be a... Um, Life raft, is that what they call that thing? You toss out, one of them donut things, whatever. As opposed to the weight that carries them under. And it all has to do with our spirit, our attitude, our approach, our belief system. Folks, people struggle. That's all there is to it. It's almost 10 after 8, so I'm going to hush and if you have any comments, if you have a personal statement, not a sermon, but a personal statement, you know, that you might want to make, um, I welcome it. If you want to talk about for a moment a difficult time that you've just recently come through, that's perfectly all right, too. Or if you have any questions, anybody? Anybody?